the blessing of Almighty God be in your heart and on your lips. You might worthily proclaim the gospel, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your spirit. going to hang here tonight close to my tea and scotch. No, <laughs> it's just tea. Um, so I was wondering as we were processing in whether this is a camel or a dromedary. Do you guys know? One hump? Is it a camel or a dromedary? You don't know? Okay. <laughs> Neither do I. So the Feast of Epiphany is just a lovely feast. It's um, ends the Christmas season, of course, and 
you know, it's kind of special. We have these lovely memories of moving the, the three kings and their camels slowly towards Bethlehem around the house until they are finally arrived today. And everybody loves the final kind of filling up of the, the, the manger scene with these three kings, these three magi from the, from the east. And, uh, and other cultures, they make a really, really big deal out of it. In Mexico, one year I was there at this time of year and, they have a tradition of making this beautiful kind of round circular cake and inside the cake somewhere is hidden a little baby Jesus and whoever gets the baby Jesus in their piece of cake it gets a special present, a special gift. I think usually it's a $25 gift certificate at Starbucks. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful family, family gathering and celebration to mark this beautiful feast. And I guess it's because we love this feast so much and we love these three characters so much. You know, with their beautiful turbans and their silken robes and their chests full of frankincense and myrrh. That, that we have all these different names for them. Isn't it funny that we call them the three kings and we call them the three magi and we call them the three astrologers and we call them the three wise men. All of them have their own kind of character, their own kind of tone for the story that follows. If there are three kings, then this story is about the powers of the world, the kings of this world, who do not really have all that much power in the big picture. And these three kings from faraway lands, representing all the kings of the world, bowing down before this humble king, whose only power is love, whose only army is a bunch of fishermen, whose only uh, authority is the authority of God. They bow down before him. Their kingship is less than his. And if they're, if they're astrologers, then they're, they kind of represent the scientists of the world, these Wonderful men and women who measure everything that is that try to find out how things work, who look up at the stars and watch their movement and try to figure out whether they're spinning around us or whether we're just part of them. And these astrologers, these scientists, to make sure that, that they know that that this universe that they study with such precision is not something that they've created themselves. They bow down before the author of creation, God made flesh, to make sure they remember that this world has a creator who's made all these beautiful things they study. And then as scientists, they bow before that creator. And if they are magi, if they're magicians, then they represent a part of human life that perhaps in other cult cultures consists of doing wondrous deeds, of making the world turn on its axis in a different way, of tricks and, and magic acts and wonderful things that they can show to people that make them go ooh and ah. They represent powers 
that aren't necessarily of God mostly tricks themselves. And they too live behind all that so that they can worship at the feet of the one who will walk on water, who will heal the sick, who most of all will raise even the dead. And finally the wise men, the philosophers of this world, the people who look for meaning. What is this all about? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Where do we find wisdom? Why is it that there's something rather than nothing? And their search for that meaning, for that truth, for the grand explanation of why. Why us? Why here? Why now? They find that truth in this little child who is the Word made flesh. And each one of those stories with its, its different tone, its different accent, its different message in a way, each one of them is so beautiful and so powerful, so meaningful, that we cannot help but celebrate this great day and make it something special for us too. But there's one thing that we don't call these three characters. And it's a tragedy because it's really the heart of the story. It's why Matthew includes them in the nativity story, in the Christmas story. We never call them the three strangers, the three foreigners, the three unbelievers or misbelievers, the three heretics from another land, the three outsiders. For that is what they really are in this story. As Matthew tells the story, they're coming from a faraway land as people outside the limits of Judaism, outside of Israel, outside of the promises of Abraham and Moses and David. They know nothing of that. And yet, the light and the life and the love of this ultimate Jewish figure, the Christ, the Messiah, is shared with them too. Not just the people of Bethlehem, not just Nazareth, not just Jerusalem, but these strangers from far away land, even unbelievers from a far away place. That's who they really are, the three strangers, the outsiders, the unbelievers, the Gentiles. And so this is the real reason we love this story so much, is that these three characters are stand-ins for us, Gentiles and foreigners and outsiders to Judaism that we are. This Jewish Messiah is not just for Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Nazareth, He's for us, us in Johannesburg, 
us in Hong Kong, us in Manila, us in Spokane. He's our Savior too. And in Him we find light and life and love without Him.